Hi, everybody. I want to welcome you to Church Online. Uh, I'm really honored and grateful that you've chosen to join us for worship today. Uh, we are starting today is week one of a brand new sermon series called Not Afraid. And uh, we're going to be studying from now until Memorial Day. We're going to be studying the topic of fear and what the Bible has to say about it. So I think this is a great thing in, in the season that we're in to, to study together and a great thing post-Easter. So I'm glad that you're joining us. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, uh, we thank you for the day. And uh, we thank you uh, that because of you and because of the power of Jesus' resurrection, uh, we don't need to be afraid. That we can rest in you. We can find our joy and our hope and our peace in you. May it be true of every person watching this. May it be true of uh, uh, every person, honestly, that, that we would just find our rest in you. It's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. We live in a culture that has a lot of fears. And honestly, in almost every study that's done, the number one fear that people have is the fear of death. Uh, if you take that fear out and, and just look at all the rest of the fears that we have, uh, let me share with you the list. Number one, number one fear people have is the fear of spiders. Number two is the fear of snakes. Number three is the fear of heights. Number four is the fear of open or crowded spaces. Number five is the fear of dogs. Uh, number six is the fear of thunder and lightning. Number seven is the fear of small spaces. Number eight is the fear of germs. Number nine is the fear of flying. And number 10, believe it or not, is the fear of holes. So let me ask you, as we are in a, a, a weird season in the life of our, of our nation right now, I want to ask you, what are some specific fears that you have had during this season of life? Maybe for you, it's a, it's a work thing and you're working a reduced schedule or you're out of work altogether and you have found yourself wondering what your career is going to look like in the future. You'd say, man, I'm afraid right now. Or, or maybe for you, it's a fear of health, your own health or the health of somebody that you love. I know very early on uh, in this whole COVID-19 thing, I got a call from my dad's nursing home that they had uh, their first resident. Uh, with, uh, with COVID-19. And that is a scary call to get. Thankfully, it's been contained uh, at his nursing home and everything is well up there, but it's scary. It's a scary time. Maybe your concern is more of like the national economy and how our country is going to bounce back or if our country is going to bounce back from this. Maybe uh, you have mental health concerns and you and your family have spent a lot of time together. And you'd be like, we love each other, but it's too much time. And uh, I, I have mental health concerns. Today, I want to encourage you that while this pandemic is a unique circumstance, and, and it is to be sure, the last time our nation saw something like this was 1918. So this is unique, but it is important to remember that overwhelming circumstances and overwhelming challenges is not a new thing. As a matter of fact, you might want to consider pausing this video. Let me give you a chapter, uh, Hebrews 11. Uh, Steve, uh, we see one of our elders read it earlier. Uh, it's on this video, and, and you can just spend some time uh, reading through Hebrews 11. It's a, it's a great thing to do, and you will see person after person after person who has faced overwhelming circumstances. And there's a ton of stories in your Bible where people have faced just overwhelming odds, 
overwhelming circumstances and overwhelming situations. I think about a story in your Old Testament, the story of Daniel and how he was in exile in Babylon. And while he was there, the king issued a decree that anyone who prayed to any other God but the king who considered himself a God, anyone who did that would be thrown into the lion's den. You talk about an overwhelming circumstance, a governmental ban on prayer. That's an overwhelming circumstance. How did David respond? Here's what Daniel 6 says. Now, when Daniel learned that the decree had been published, he went home to his upstairs room uh, where the windows faced toward Jerusalem. Three times he got down on his knees and he prayed, giving thanks to his God just as he had done before. What did Daniel do? He remained faithful. He did the next right thing that he was able to do. I think about the story of David. In this story, David's brothers are on the front line in a battle against the Philistines. And he goes to kind of uh, to, to door dash them some food. He, he delivers them some food. And while he's there, he sees this giant, Goliath. And Goliath comes down every day and he's mocking God. He's mocking the people of God. And, and David is fairly young, but he sees this. And he just can't stand the mockery, the mockery of God, the mockery of his people. And you talk about an overwhelming circumstance. You're young. You're facing this giant, this overwhelming thing. And what does David do next? So David said to the Philistine, to, to Goliath, you come against me with sword and spear and javelin. This is 1 Samuel 17. But I come against you in the name of the Lord God Almighty, the God of the armies of Israel, whom you have defied. What does David do? He remains faithful. He does the next right thing. I think about the early apostles in your New Testament how they face threat of persecution and imprisonment and even death. Overwhelming circumstances. Circumstances that would elicit fear in anybody. And how did they respond? They continued to preach. They continued to preach. Many of them faced violent deaths. John is the only apostle who lived to an old age. In short, they remained faithful. They did the next right thing. One of the things that we have learned in COVID-19, uh, I believe, is that fear is not a terribly strong motivator for our country. Very early on, there was a ton of uh, news about the mortality rate and the dangers of this thing and, and the, the risks associated with it. And very early on in the storyline, people really didn't alter their behavior. Eventually, our government changed uh, the news and, and they changed the message from one of fear to one of love. That, man, if you love the vulnerable, if you love the, the people around you, you will shelter in place in order to protect them. And I think that was more effective. Love always trumps fear. Uh, and, and in general, fear is not a terribly strong motivator. You know what fear does? Fear actually demotivates us. Fear paralyzes us. Growing up uh, as a kid, I had a ton of anxiety. Um, I've always been kind of squirrely that way, a, a ton of anxiety, a ton of fears. And I remember growing up, I would be uh, facing like an algebra test or a math test or, or whatever the next day. And I would be so nervous and so concerned. And I would start to um, kind of go through all these dooms doomsday scenarios in, in my head about what if I failed and, and, and what if I don't get a good grade and, and all of this stuff. And what I found is that that fear, that anxiety did not motivate me to study more. 
It actually took my eyes off of studying and it focused on the doomsday scenario. It focused my eyes and my attention on what I was afraid of the most. Fear does not motivate. Fear actually demotivates us. And you know what it does spiritually? What fear does spiritually is it moves our eyes from God. It moves our eyes from him and it places our eyes on our fears. It places our eyes on what we're most scared of, what we're most intimidated by, what we are, are most uh, concerned about. So fear removes our eyes from God and places it on our fears. And what this does is it disrupts our hearts. It disrupts our worship and it disrupts our joy and our hope and our peace. And I think this disruption of moving our eyes from God and placing them on our fears, on these doomsday scenarios, I think this is why the Bible repeatedly says, do not be afraid. The Bible says this time and time again. I want to I read to you some scripture right now, just kind of one verse after another. Um, there's uh, um, uh, about 10 scriptures that I want to share with you. And you might consider, I know this is kind of weird at your house, you might want to consider just kind of closing your eyes and allowing me to read these texts to you, but I also want to try to place them into your heart, and I want to place them into your mind. These are texts that teach us about fear. Isaiah 41.10, so do not fear, for I am with you. Do not be dismayed, God says, for I am your God. I will strengthen you, and I will help you. I will uphold you with my righteous hand. Psalm 56.3, when I am afraid, I will put my trust in you. Philippians 4, 6 and 7. Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. John 14, 27, peace is what I leave with you. It is my own peace that I give to you. I do not give it as the world gives. Do not be worried, do not be upset, and do not be afraid. 2 Timothy 1, 7, for God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of sound mind. 1 John 4, 18, there is no fear in love, but perfect love drives out fear because fear has to do with punishment. The one who fears is not made perfect in love. Psalm 94, 19, when anxiety was great within me, your consolation, God, brought joy to my soul. Isaiah 43, 1, but now this is what the Lord says, fear not, for I have redeemed you. I have summoned you by name. You are mine. Proverbs 12, 25, an anxious heart weighs a man down, but a kind word cheers him up. Psalm 23, 4, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me, your rod and your staff, they comfort me. Church, let it soak in. Rewind if you need to. Listen to those texts again. Do not be afraid. Do not be afraid. Do not be afraid. And I have to be honest, and maybe you feel this way too. 
When another person says to you, when they hear about your circumstance, when they hear about your situation, and another person says to you, hey, do not be afraid. Do not be afraid. Isn't it kind of annoying? If we're honest, it's kind of annoying. It's kind of offensive because in our heart, when another person says this to, says this to us, we want to say, you don't know my situation. You don't know what's going on with me. It's easy for you in good health to tell me, do not be afraid. It's easy for you when you have a job to tell me, do not be afraid. It's easy for, for, for you when your situation's grand to tell me in my situation that's not so grand to not be afraid. It's offensive. And here's one of the reasons it's offensive is they, the person speaking to you, they don't know what God knows. So here's what I want to do for just a few minutes. I want to talk to you about what God knows right now and about why uh, God is the one who is equipped to be able to say to us, do not be afraid. And we want to keep our eyes on him. So what is it that God knows that especially equips him to be able to say to you and to be able to say to me, to be able to say to all of us, hey, 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 do not be afraid. Do not be afraid. What is it that God knows? First of all, God knows how things are going to end up. The $2 theological word, God is omniscient. God knows the past, God knows the present, and God knows the future. In other words, God knows when things are going uh, when, when when, when to be resolved, and God knows how things are going to be resolved. So when God authors in Scripture all of this uh, admonition of, do not be afraid, do not be afraid, do not be afraid, he is saying it as someone who knows everything, and he knows into the future how and when things are going to be resolved so we can trust in him. It's like, well, he knows the future. He's telling me to not be afraid. God knows how he's going to provide for you. God knows how. You may not know right now, but God knows. He, he knows how he's going to provide for you. Here's what Jesus said one time. Therefore, I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or drink or about your body, what you will wear. Is not life more than food and the body more important than clothes? Look, look at the birds of the air. They do not sow or reap or store away in barns, yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not much more valuable than they? Can any of you by worrying add a single hour to your life? Why do you worry about clothes? See how the flowers of the field grow? They do not labor or spin yeah, I tell you, not even Solomon in all his splendor was dressed like one of these. If that is how God clothes the grass of the field, which is here today and tomorrow is thrown into the fire, will he not much more clothe you, you of little faith? So do not worry saying, what shall we eat or what shall we drink or what shall we wear? For the pagans run after all these things and your heavenly father knows that you need them. But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness and all these things will be given to you as well. Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. When God looks you in the eye and he says to you, do not be afraid, do not worry, he says it as one who knows how he's going to provide for you. And one thing we know about God is he is a good, good father. He provides for the needs of his children. God knows how he's going to use this for good. 
God knows how he's going to use this for good. And uh, here's what Romans 8 says. One of my favorite chapters in all the Bible. I know you're not supposed to have favorites, but I do. And we know that in all things, God works for the good of those who love him and have been called according to his purpose. All right, so God knows how he's going to use this pandemic to renew us and change us and make us better. So his perspective in this text is, do not be afraid. Good things are coming. I'm going to use this thing to renew and change and bring revival. And it's tough now, and it might even be tough in the future, but good things are going to come. Here's the other thing God knows. God knows how he's going to bring victory. God knows how he's going to bring victory. We don't know yet. We don't know how God's going to bring victory, but God knows how he's going to bring victory. Consider Jesus. In the Garden of Gethsemane, when Jesus is waiting to be arrested and Jesus is waiting to be taken on on the cross, there's an interesting theological question that emerges in that text. And And here it is. Was Jesus afraid? Was Jesus capable of fear, right? Was he afraid in the garden? And and truthfully, we we don't know for certain. We we know he's filled with mourning. We know he's filled with sorrow. But here's also what we know. He wasn't fearful in the way of being demotivated, right? He wasn't fearful in the way of inaction. He, He wasn't scared off by his mission. Here's what we know about Jesus. He still went to the cross, He still paid for our sins. He still died that day. What causes a person to do that? What causes a person to do that is they know the victory is already in place. And so they are willing to endure some things. They are willing to go through some things. They are willing to be faithful because they know the victory has been secured. Can I tell you something, church? The victory has been secured. What we are called to right now is faithfulness. What we are called to right now is keeping our eyes on the Father. What we are called right now uh, to, to is continuing to, to worship, continuing to follow him because the victory is in place. So what I want to encourage you today is faith over fear. I want to encourage you to trust that God is who he says he is, that God is who he says he is, and he is ahead of us on this. He knows how it's going to be resolved. He knows how he's going to use it for good. He knows how victory is going to come. He is ahead of us. He is present with us. He is giving us everything we need right now. To, to, to make it through and even thrive in this quarantine. His spirit is giving us every good thing that we need. He's present with us and he knows exactly how victory is going to come into the future. So here's what I want to encourage you to do. Faith over fear is let's not have our eyes rest on our circumstances. Let's have our eyes rest on our God. Let's lift our eyes up, as the psalmist says. Let's lift our eyes up and keep them on our God who loves us and has a plan for us and has secured victory for us. Let's keep our eyes on the Father. I want to give you a little, one more text. There's been a lot of scripture in this sermon. I like to preach that way. I want to give you one more scripture of when uh, fear comes, and we're going to talk about this more next week, that fear comes to everybody, and not all fear is a bad thing. 
So when fear begins to come to us, I want to give you a little tool that you can use to make sure that your eyes stay on God. And here's the tool. Here's what the text says. It says, cast all your anxieties on him, God, because he cares for you. Cast all your anxieties on him because he cares for you. One more time. Cast all your anxiety on him because he cares for you. This word cast, this Greek word for cast, it's only used one other time. This exact word is used only one other time in all of scripture. It's used in the triumphal entry of Jesus into Jerusalem. You may remember that story. Um, Jesus, they, fi- they find a, a, a donkey and it says um, they, they begin to cast their coats onto the donkey and that the donkey is now going to carry the jackets along with Jesus into Jerusalem. And that's the imagery. We take our anxieties We take our fears, we take our uncertainties, and we cast them onto Jesus because he cares for us and he's willing to carry them for us. How on earth do we do that? I'll give you where I think it starts. It starts with honesty. It starts by naming them. I've been reading through the Psalms a little bit during this pandemic, and every time I read through the book of Psalms, Um, I am taken aback by the honesty of the Psalms. Man, they are the most honest piece of literature that when the psalmist is angry, he says he's angry. When, When the psalmist is fearful, he says he's fearful. When the psalmist is depressed, he says he's depressed. When he's afraid, they speak about that fear. These are honest Psalms as you read through the book of Psalms. And I think that sometimes, I'm gonna speak for me, Sometimes I feel ashamed about being afraid, that I shouldn't be afraid, and so I keep it inside. Can I say something in your love? We're going to talk about this more next Sunday. Being afraid is human. We're all at times afraid. The faith step is not refusing to acknowledge our fear. The faith step is giving our fear to Jesus to carry it. Let me repeat that. The faith step is not refusing to acknowledge our fear. Sometimes we think that's what the faithful thing is. I'm just, I'm going to, I'm going to keep this hidden. I'm going to keep this, I'm going to refuse to acknowledge it. That's the faithful thing to do. No, the faithful thing to do is to name it, to name your fear and then give it to Jesus so he can redeem, redeem it so he can make it new, and so he can begin to carry it for you. So this powerful thing happens, I think. This powerful thing happens when we name our fear. I'm fearful I'll never get back to work. Name it. I'm fearful about our finances, how we're going to make it. Name it. I'm fearful about my health. Name it. I'm fearful about my kids. Name it. And then once we come to an honest place, I'm just going to name what I'm afraid of. Then we give it to God. We give it to God to carry for us. But it starts with brutal honesty. It starts with naming the fear. You can't give something to God that you have refused to name. And so today in solitude, this is kind of at home, this is a great opportunity for us to do this. To think, what am I afraid of? What is it? And then name it and give it to Jesus. I think there's this pivotal moment for Jesus 
that actually prepared him for the cross back, back in the garden. It says in Luke 22, uh, starting in verse 39, Jesus went out as usual to the Mount of Olives and his disciples followed him. On reaching the place, he said to them, pray that you will not fall into temptation. He withdrew about a stone's throw beyond them, knelt down and prayed, Father, if you are willing, take this cup from me. Yet not my will, but yours be done. An angel from heaven appeared to him and strengthened him. And being in anguish, he prayed even more earnestly. And his sweat was like drops of blood falling to the ground. Honesty. Honesty. He's honest with the Father about what he wants and what he's feeling and what's going on in his heart. He's honest and then he transfers his anguish to the Father. And Jesus does, the, does this. Often when we think about Jesus, we're gonna receive communion, uh, you have an opportunity to receive communion in your home in just a little bit. And often when we think about Jesus, we think about casting our sins upon Jesus. Um, and, and so he can forgive them. And, and this is what Jesus does. And it's exactly true. We cast our sins upon him at the cross and he pays for them there. And so we, we think about this as the totality of what Jesus does. We give him our sin. He gives us his righteousness. But this text says, no, no, no. There's another thing you can do. Yeah, yeah. Cast your sin on Jesus. He wants to forgive you. He wants to make you new. But don't forget, he is willing to receive your anxieties. Cast your fear on him. Cast your anxiety on him. Cast your doubts on him. And allow him to carry those things for you. He wants to because he loves you. And he's died for you. And he's resurrected for you. He's proven his love for you. And now he is saying to you, resurrected Jesus is saying to you, allow me to carry your fears but it can't happen if you'll keep it hidden. It can't happen if you'll keep it secret. So what I want to encourage you to do is to name the fear. Name it and then give it to Jesus. This will free you for faithfulness. This will free you for faithfulness. And what I mean by that is this will allow you to take your eye. Once you name it and give it to Jesus, it allows you to take your eyes off of the circumstances to take your eyes off of the fear, to take your eyes off of the anxiety and place your eyes on your heavenly father. It'll allow you to do that. It'll allow you to take your eyes off of the news, maybe for the first time this whole week, just to name your fear and then give it to Jesus. It'll allow you to take your eyes off of the circumstances and place your eyes on God. And I'll tell you what happens when we place our eyes on God is there is a joy and there is a hope and there is a peace in him. And that's what you need today. And that's what I need today. It starts with honesty. We're going to name our fear. We're going to give it to Jesus. And that's going to allow us to lift our eyes off of our circumstances and keep our eyes on Jesus. Let me pray for you. Jesus, we thank you for the truth of, of your word. I just pray right now for every person listening to me that we can be honest right now about what we're afraid of. There's no shame in this. Everybody gets afraid. So we're going to be honest about what we're afraid of. We're going to name it, 
And then right now, as we pray, spiritually, we want to cast those fears onto you. We don't want to carry them anymore, Jesus. You know how victory is going to come. You know how you're going to provide for us. You know how you're going to use this. And you're better to carry it. So right now, we cast it to you. And when we come out of this prayer, we want to come out of this prayer with our eyes lifted up and our eyes on you. Thank you, thank you, thank you for Jesus. Thank you for the power of his resurrection. It is in his name that we pray. Amen. This is an opportunity right now for you in your home to receive communion uh, and, and to know that you are not doing this alone, that you are connected to Christians all over the world right now in, in the receiving of communion. And this is a, a time to remember that, yes, we cast our sins on Jesus and he casts his righteousness on us. Right? The great exchange there that here, Jesus, you take my sin, and Jesus says, you take my righteousness. And we remember that we are forgiven and we are set free. But this is also an opportunity to remember something that we, I think we, we remember less. We think a lot about casting our sin. We don't think about casting our anxieties. And so this is an opportunity for you to do what we talked about in the sermon today. I'm going to name it. I'm going to name my anxiety. And then I'm going to give it to Jesus. And I'm not going to carry it anymore. And I'm going to keep my eyes on him. Opportunity for you to do that right now. Hey, I just want to express to you, um, I love you. And I can't wait to see you again. I can't wait to be gathered as a church family. I miss you. Uh, the camera's very nice, but I miss you. Uh, I, I miss you greatly, and I am eagerly anticipating when we'll be worshiping together as a church family. Until then, stay strong, stay healthy, stay in peace, and keep your eyes on your Heavenly Father who loves you.